Well, today we are in Matthew chapter 7. Yes, we've moved on from chapter 6. We finally got past chapter 6. And today we are um, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and we are going to be talking about not judging. Jesus says, do not judge. Okay, we're going to talk about this today. Now, this chapter is a continuation of Jesus' very well-known sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus, remember, he is God with us. It's always important to remember who Jesus is. You know, he is um, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which means he is fully God as well as fully man. So Jesus is preaching a sermon to us. Who would not want to hear that sermon? Well, we are a blessed people because it's recorded in our Bibles. The sermon's in there. You can read the sermon that when Jesus came to this earth, preached this sermon, and you can read it. Okay, so he preached this sermon to his followers, all right? This was not a sermon of, you need to get saved. This was a sermon of, if you're one of my followers, if you are a believer, then this is how your character is going to be. And he talks about how um, the followers of God are to be different than the people of this world, you know, that we have a kingdom that we are from, um, that, you know, even though we don't see that kingdom with our eyes, that we know we have that kingdom with us, right? And he says the people of God's kingdom are different from the people of the kingdom of this world. Okay, and he's telling his followers that the character of a person who is a follower of God, um, what, what their character is going to be like. And that's what this sermon tells us. Uh, not how to be saved. It's not a gospel message. But um, like I said, how to be different from the world. How to be a follower of God from another kingdom. All right. So he says, um, well, this, what we're going to talk about is do not judge. You know, and many people take this scripture, which I'm going to read it in a minute, and we've all heard people say it, don't judge me. If you judge me, God says you'll be judged. So many people quote this, many people, godly people and ungodly people, people who are not believers also quote this scripture. Um, and it's, it's actually considered one of the most quoted scriptures from the Bible um, in recent days. It is. And so when people quote this scripture and they say, well, the Bible says, um, you know, do not judge or you're going to be judged. A lot of times, because it is misunderstood and because it is not being quoted within context, because we like to read scripture within context of what is happening, what is saying, who is saying it and who it's being said to, right? Um, that actually what people are often saying is... Um, you could probably almost put this in place of what they're saying is leave me alone or why don't you just shut up, right? I mean, that's kind of like how they're using this. So it's often misquoted um, and it is not read in context and it is very misunderstood, okay, by many, not by everyone, but by many. Okay, so, through, so throughout this sermon, Jesus has been telling us, um, this is the way things have been taught to you in the past, you know, that teachers of the law, teachers, the, uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Pharisees, 
This is the way it's been taught in the past. And then he goes on to say, but this is what I say to you. Now, you, you we need to know this, that he's not saying that the law was not right, um, but he, what he is telling the people is, listen, this is how you've interpreted it, and you've been interpreting it wrong. You're not living it right. I am going to tell you how it should be interpreted. Now, of course, you're going to listen to Jesus, who is God with us, how he interprets the law, um, because he wrote it. <laughs> so really, we need to listen to Jesus, uh, you know, with our whole heart and with our whole mind, because what he his interpretation of it is the, going to be the absolute 100% right interpretation of it, the way God always intended for it to be. Okay, and one of the number one things that Jesus points out in this entire sermon so far, right from the beginning of it, is how important the heart is to God. The heart, the center of who we are, the place where all the other parts, the head office of all the other parts of our life. So if we get things right in the heart, that flows out to every other part of our life, doesn't it? So that's why the heart is so important to God and that God looks at the heart. It says that man looks at the outward appearance, but what does God look at? God looks at the heart because that is who we truly are. And that's the part that's going to affect all the other parts of our life. Okay, so um, Jesus up to now has dealt a lot with our relationship with God and how, and how we relate to God. He talks about prayer and about fasting and about, um, about just, just so many things about how we relate to God. But in this sermon, such a beautiful and well-rounded sermon, he also talks about our behavior toward others, our interpersonal relationships, our relationships with other human beings. And he's going to talk about that in this passage that we're going to read today. Let me read that passage. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, entitled in my Bible, a New King James Bible, Do Not Judge, all right? So here we go. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. That's a lot of judgment. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the whole big plank hanging out of your own eye? Or how can you say to, to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ooh, okay, let's talk about this. What is meant by judge here? What is Jesus saying when he says, do not judge? Okay, well, it comes from a Greek word, which is said, krima, uh, krima, okay? And you, what does that sound like? It sounds like crime or criminal, doesn't it? And that is because this word, judge, krima, is a legal term which describes the judicial process of deciding guilt or innocence and is frequently used in regard to the judgment of God against wrongdoing. Okay, so it's a legal term. A simple definition of what to judge is, is to form an opinion or a conclusion about. All right, so that's a nice, simple working definition for us.
So here, Jesus is now discussing how we treat others. Uh, earlier in his sermon, we remember that Jesus called for a righteousness that was greater than that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And remember when, when he said that, people were probably like, well, the scribes and the Pharisees, well, they're the most righteous people of all. How am I ever going to have a righteousness that exceeds that, the righteousness of the Pharisees? You know, how am I going to have that? But he talked about how in so many ways the, the Pharisees were looking good on the outside. But again, in the heart, there was a lot that was not right. And he, in another book of the Bible, will later call the Pharisees and say, say about them that they are like snakes and vipers and that um, they are like whitewashed tombs, looking good on the outside, but you're filled with dead men's bones. So he's saying not all is well with the Pharisees, and Jesus points that out. What I want to read to you is a parable of Jesus. Remember, a parable is a story that Jesus told, and it has like a heavenly meaning, a meaning that's a kingdom of God kind of meaning. So it's from the book of Luke, and Jesus told this um, parable and it was the subject of this parable is judgment. Okay, so let's read that because that's going to clear up and help us understand better the passage that we're reading today. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 and let's start at verse 9. Now this is a, a, a story Jesus is telling, a parable, okay? Luke chapter 18 starting from verse 9. And in my Bible it's called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Okay. Verse 9, also he spoke this parable, Jesus did, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, there was a tax collector there as well. So we've got the, we've got the Pharisee over here praying. And we also have a tax collector. Please remember that tax collectors in that day were really considered sinful people. They were thieves. And they were very unjust people. They, were, they stole from, from God's people. Well, anyone they took taxes from. So there's a tax collector in this story as well. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, now remember Jesus is telling this story. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Whew, wow, what a story, okay? Told by Jesus. Okay, he tells this story about two guys. Pharisee, who's considered to be a very righteous man in the eyes of everyone, and a tax collector, excuse me, tax collector, who is the biggest sinner of sinners, okay? Now... He's telling a story about these two guys. They're both righteous, right? And it says, um, the first guy, the, the, 
well, the people who he was telling this story to said that they believed that they were righteous and they held everyone else in contempt. So he's telling this story to people with that heart attitude. So what makes these two men different, this Pharisee and this tax collector? Now, they're both in the temple or once near to the temple, the tax collector. He wouldn't, he didn't even want to get too close. And they're both praying. The difference is the heart attitude. Now we have the religious man, the Pharisee, he goes before God and he says all the good things that he's done, all those deeds that make him a righteous man or that he believes make him a righteous man. And according to the story Jesus tells, he feels pretty good about himself. This man's standard for how he measured up before God was this. This was this, the religious man's standard in this story. Well, I'm better than him over there. Um, and that makes me more righteous and better than that guy because I'm not a tax collector and I do all this good stuff. You know, therefore, I'm righteous before God. I'm, I'm good enough. He was measuring himself according to that guy over there, that sinner over there. And he pridefully, now remember, pride, pride in this man's life because that is a very big factor here. He pridefully thought very well of himself because he was better than that awful sinner over there. Okay, let's look at the sinful tax collector guy who's also praying. We notice something about this man, this sinful tax collector. We notice, and Jesus points out, his humility, all right? Jesus pointed this out. He pointed out the pride of the other guy. Now he's pointing out the humility of this tax collector. What do we notice from the parable? First of all, the tax collector stood far off. He realized his unworthiness before God, and he so clearly saw himself as a sinner. All right? Next thing, he beats his breast, and he's crying out for forgiveness from God. Can we remember something from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount? Weeks and weeks ago, we talked about the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitude that says, Blessed are those who mourn. And what are they mourning about? Their sin, okay? Not just people who are sad sacks, but people who genuinely mourn their sin. For they shall be comforted. You know, and this parable conveys that, okay? The next thing is this tax collector humbly asks for forgiveness. The religious guy never asks for forgiveness. Notice that about, about the Pharisee in this story. The religious, in the religious man's mind, he pridefully brings his good works before God. And he doesn't even acknowledge the sin in his life. Never once does he mention any of his sins. And what do we know about all human beings? We are all sinners. There is not anyone on this planet who has not sinned and who doesn't sin nearly every day, right? Nearly every day. And, and that's everyone. Okay, there's no human being that is so righteous that we no longer sin anymore. All right, that is just a given, okay? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a scripture. So in this religious man's mind, he's bringing all his good works before God. He doesn't acknowledge any of the sin in his life and he walks off just feeling good. But Jesus says, he asks this question, who walks away justified? And what does that mean? That means forgiven, made right with God. Which of these two uh, is made right with God? And we know the answer to that. It is the humble man. Jesus says it's the humble man, the bigger sinner, 
but because of his humility, he knew he was a sinner and he knew he needed God's forgiveness. This parable will help us to understand what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 when he says, judge not that you're in the same way that you judge, you're going to be judged. Jesus is saying that we're not to look, um, we're not to look at what others are doing and in particular their wrongdoings and make a judgment that because we're not as bad as them, that we're better than them. We're not to do that. Um, we're, we, um, just because we don't sin in the same way as those people, that we're righteous, we have, none of us on this planet have any righteousness of our own, any right standing before God on our own um, because we act better than someone else because, oh, I tithe and because I don't swear and because, you know, I come all neatly dressed to church on a Sunday and look at them over there. They've got some flesh showing and, you know, a lot of piercings and, uh, you know, tattoos all over the place and, oh, therefore I'm better. No, 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 no. Just because I look better on the outside, maybe. Um, I look like I've lived a charmed life with no problems. Um, just because I don't act in a certain way. Hey, listen, we are all people who fall short of the glory of God daily. All right? Just because I don't sin in the same way that someone else sinned doesn't mean I don't sin. I have sin that I need to confess before God and ask forgiveness for as well. Everybody does. And we must never, ever forget that. That it's not our good works that make us right before God. Just because I'm better than that guy over there. You know, I don't take drugs. You know, I don't take illegal drugs. Therefore, I'm better. I'm, I'm righteous because I don't take drugs. That's not what gives me righteousness before Almighty God. Otherwise, I am the Pharisee in that parable that Jesus told. And I don't want to be that one. Do not want to be that guy. Look, Isaiah 64, 6 backs up what I'm saying. It says this, we are, this is the new life, the NLT, the, the um, yeah, NLT. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. In the end, we're all just human beings that are wasting away, just whoo, gonna blow away like the burnt up grass one day. All of us, we are all human at, 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 the, at the end of the day. And just because we do good deeds, that doesn't make us righteous. How about Ephesians 2.8, again in the NLT. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Any righteousness that anyone has, a child of God who's given their life over to Jesus, and you can now say, because of God, I have righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It was given to you as a gift. It is the righteousness of Jesus that he gave you in your life. You can't take credit for it, but it is from God, okay? The Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day were like the religious man in Jesus' parable that I told you from Luke. They had this, I'm good enough because I'm better than that guy over there attitude. And Jesus is addressing that attitude here in Matthew chapter 7. You know, there's an expression, and I talked about this expression a very long time ago uh, when I was talking about the Old Testament and the law. 
I'm going to mention it again because you won't probably remember it. Um, and it's this expression. And it's, there but for the grace of God go I. I'm going to say it again. There but for the grace of God go I. Now this was said, allegedly, they think this guy said this, in the mid-16th century, so in the 1500s, by a minister called John Bradford. And um, he said, there but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. That's what he said. And he said it in reference to a group of prisoners that he, that he saw being carted off to their execution. And he said, and he looked at these poor souls, and he didn't think, I'm better than them, you know? At least I'm not, not a criminal like them. Yeah, they should be, you know, destroyed for their crimes. He didn't have that attitude. He had a humble attitude. And he looked at those poor souls being carted off for execution. And he said, I am no different from them except for the grace of God. Except for the grace of God, I would be in that queue, in that lineup of people who were gonna be executed. Did you know that what John Bradford said was very scriptural? You know who else said it? The Apostle Paul. And he said this, and this is sort of a paraphrase uh, from 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and it said, and the Apostle Paul said this, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Remember, um, Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. And he actually, as a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, was, was killing all the followers of Jesus because he thought that they were heretics. He thought, I'm going to kill them all. And he was. He was killing them. He was going about like a serial killer, killing them all, until Christ came to him, opened his eyes, and said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And then Jesus changed his name to Paul, and, and, but, but Paul carried this in his heart, and he remembered. He remembered from where Jesus brought him from, and he said, I'm not even fit to be called an apostle, even though I'm called the apostle Paul, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He, I am only being used by God as an apostle in this beautiful manner. Not because of how great I am. Not because of what a wonderful man I am. Only by the grace of God. And the apostle Paul was saying that. So he said something, or, or John Bradford said something very similar to the apostle Paul. Both those expressions were expressions of humility. It's an expression that except for God's mercy and except for his grace, which are unearned, they are a gift that we are no different from any sinner walking this earth. Think of the biggest sinner that you can think of. I'm sure you got one in mind. Maybe it's somebody you've seen in the news. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's somebody you know. And you've got this, this picture in your mind of the biggest sinner I know. But for the grace of God, go I. It is only the mercy and the grace of God that separates you from the life of that person. And that does not cause us to be prideful, but that should humble us. Like the tax collector in Jesus' story, who said, I'm not even worthy to get close to you. I'm not even going to lift my eyes to you. And he beats his breast in mournfulness over his sin. And, and over what? you know? And, and, and I know that... In Jesus, we are no longer sinners, but we are saved. But that doesn't stop us, like the Apostle Paul, from remembering 
from what God saved us and keeping ourselves in that, in that way, God can remind us and, and keep us humble, remembering what he saved us from, not what we saved ourselves from just by being good. Oh, I changed my behavior now. No, no, no. It is what he did in us. And then from that, yes, our behavior changes and the way we live our life changes and we don't want to live in sin anymore. But the first step was he saved us. We did not never save ourselves. And it's not our good works that save us. We do good works because we are saved. Okay, let's look at verse two. And it says this in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount here, chapter seven, verse two. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, these are scary words if you think about it. Because if we choose, if we decide to be, if we are like that Pharisee in that parable, if we choose to judge others in the way Jesus is saying not to, judging their wrong behavior using my good behavior as the measuring stick, then that is how I will be judged by God. That means he's going to judge me by my works because I'm judging others by their works. And since the scripture tells us that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God, then I'm never going to be judged righteous before God, no matter how hard I work at it, based on my judging others in comparison to myself. Well, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right then before God, because I'm not like him or her. God, um, um, okay. If I'm going to judge others based on my, on, on me as a measuring stick, right? Then I'm doomed. Um, if I pridefully think in any way I'm better than that sinner over there, I do not want to be judged by that Pharisee's measuring stick of, well, at least I don't do that. And I don't do that. Then when I stand before God's going to say, okay, you used this measuring stick over here. Now I'm going to measure you with the same measuring stick of good works and see how that get how that works for you. Because when my righteousness doesn't save me, so I'm not going to be saved before God if it's by my works. So what a terrible measuring stick. Rather, we use the measuring stick of, of, of what God says we should use, okay? Um, rather, I need to humble myself and realize the difference between me and that sinner over there is only God's grace and mercy. I'm not better but I have asked for God, uh, for God's forgiveness and he gave it. And they, and, um, if that sinner over there would ask for God's forgiveness, then they'll have righteousness too. The only difference between me and the biggest sinner on the whole earth is Jesus. That is it. That is the only difference between me and, you know, Miss, Miss Sinner Sinnington is Jesus. Nothing I've done. Nothing I've done. Okay, verses three and four. This is a little bit of the humor of our Savior. I love this. And why do you look at the speck in your, other, uh, in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank hanging out of your own eye? You know, if this is Jesus being a little humorous here. He's like, you got a big plank hanging out of your eye. How do you, not, how do you even see? How do you even see to judge another person? You know, you've got a, a full-on log hanging out of your face. And this, this is a bit of humor, but it's humor with um, wisdom. He's, he's using this with wisdom. And um, in verse five, he actually calls that person with the big beam hanging out of their eye. You know, they're a sinner judging others by this measuring stick of, uh, well, I'm better than you because I don't do bad stuff. He says of that person, hypocrite, 
Again, not words you want to hear Jesus saying to you, to me. I don't want to hear that. The best thing here to take from this, what Jesus is saying, is to obey him. That's always the best thing to do, is to obey him. Let's take this wisdom of Jesus and go back to God and ask him to help us to get it right. Because there's going to be times, there just is, when you're going to think you're better than someone else just because you don't do what they do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sometimes do that. So are you. And when we get it wrong, oh, we have a gracious, again, gracious and merciful God. We go to him and we say, oh, God, I am getting this wrong. I'm getting it so wrong. And I get it wrong a lot and I need you to help me. And, I, and you go to him and you say, help me, God. You know, that is, again, coming to God in humility. God accepts that. When you come to him in pride, he rejects that. But when you come to him in humility and say, I need your help. He accepts that and you will get forgiveness and he will help you by his spirit who empowers us to get it right. Verse six, let's just have a quick discussion of this one. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under the feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Okay, in verse six here, just remember he says, he's talking about swine here and dogs, very, very Jewish uh, terminology here both not very thought highly of. I mean, swines were um, unclean animals according to the law and dogs were just kind of filthy vermin. Um, and and uh, it makes me think of when David called um, Goliath uh, that uncircumcised dog, you know, just kind of like, you know, an underling. I don't know. It's just, it's not spoken of highly when you, when you call someone a dog or a swine. Um, and so Jesus is saying to, to his followers, do not give what is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. You know what Jesus is actually, actually saying here? And I'm going to get into this in just a moment. He's saying you do actually need to make a judgment here. And your judgment needs to be this to the believers. He's saying this. He's saying you need to when you are coming to speak of the things of God to other people. Um... Uh, to the ungodly, uh, if you discern that they are going to receive what you've got to say, the truths of the word of God in a contemptuous way, in a blasphemous way, um, they are going to be a totally unreceptive person or a crowd. They just want an argument. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They, they, Jesus refers to someone like that as a swine and a dog. And you are not, if you discern and make a judgment in this area, I'm gonna get, get into that in a minute, because he just said, don't judge. But I'm to judge my crowd or to another person as being unworthy for me to, to speak the truths of the word of God? Hmm, is Jesus saying something different than what he first said? Is he contradicting himself? No, he's not. But what he is saying is, you do sometimes need to make a judgment. And here's, Here's what where people can, I said this in the beginning when I opened up, here's where people can misunderstand what Jesus is saying about not judging or you're going to be judged. Jesus is not forbidding criticism, opinions, or the condemn, condemnation of wrongdoing. Okay, he's not saying um, that blanket across every belief and everything across that you come across in life, believers, that you are to, not to, to look at this and and make a criticism, opinion, or a condemnation of wrongdoing. He is not saying that. What he is forbidding 
is the spirit of fault finding that overlooks one's own shortcomings. I'm overlooking that I'm a sinner while assuming the role of judge in regard to the sins of others. Okay, what he's saying is don't be a fault finder all the time, overlooking the fact that I myself am a sinner and yet I'm judging everyone else, again, based on the measuring stick of I'm better than you because I act better than you. Okay, what we need to understand, and here's where people misunderstand and misquote this whole do not judge thing. Um, Matthew chapter seven, these next two verse, uh, scriptures that I'm going to read to you, you're going to, you're going to see more clearly what I mean. Matthew chapter seven, verses 15 through 17. Now Jesus said, um, not to judge, right? Do not judge or you will be judged. But look at here in Matthew chapter seven, verses 15 through 17. Now we're probably going to get to that very soon because, uh, this again, Matthew chapter, but I'm going to mention it because it's going to help what I'm saying, what Jesus help us understand this whole do not judge. Jesus is saying here, beware of false prophets. That means we're going to have to judge whether someone is a false prophet or a true prophet. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Here, listen to this. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus says that we are to judge a tree by its fruit. That means when we meet another Christian or a teacher or somebody in our lives, that we have to judge according to the word of God, not just by our own, well, I don't like that. No, does it line up with the word of God, what that person is saying? We need to judge the fruit based on the immovable truth of the word of God and unchanging truth. Matthew 18, 15. So Jesus in that other one was telling us to judge. Look at this one, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, that means a fellow Christian, right? Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. We need, so we need to make judgments about our brothers and our sisters in Christ tactfully. He said, do it between just the two of you if you can. Because later he says that if, if that person is sinning and doing such wrong things that you need to take it to a greater body of people, um, in it, like the pastors of the church, um, to the leaders, of, of the congregations, but if you can work it out between tactfully between a brother and a sister, you are to go if you find fault. What does that mean? That means you are looking at someone and judging what they're doing to be wrong. Wrong according to what you think is wrong? No. Wrong according to does what they are doing line up with the word of God. So we can make judgments. We can find fault in something as if we see that it is not lining up to the truth of the word of God. We need to make judgments about brothers and sisters, not go gossiping about them. We go to them directly, just between the two of you. You don't want to make mockery of them. You don't want to make them feel bad. You don't want in the sense that you're not there to break their spirit. You're there to encourage them to do right. Okay. So you can go to a brother or sister who are in sin and and it is your godly duty to confront it, okay? So again, it's taken back to the heart motive. Is it genuinely out of love that you are confronting that brother or sister? Is it genuinely and in love that you are uh, finding fault in a prophet or a teacher so that, you know, out of genuine love for other people that, you, that they're not taught wrong? Um, 
And then that teacher or a false prophet, you know, even they're living in, in falseness. Do you, is it out of love? Always remember the heart motive. Cause I've heard people say, I'm telling you this in love. And, um, really they didn't, wasn't in love. It was actually just to rip our, my life apart or leadership apart. Um, and it wasn't in love, but there we go. Okay, so let's just make sure our heart motive is genuine and in love. Okay, other ways which we are called to judge, but to, to judge correctly, okay, is this. There are truths from, script, from the scriptures that we have to, as Christians, hold up that truth of the word of God in our society, right? Um, and when society out and about there and uh, tells us that this is the way we think now, this is the way it is, this is the new rules, that as Christians, it is our duty as a Christian to look at what society is telling us, what is right and what is the new way of thinking. And this is the way it is now. And science has shown this now, even if it's we know that we know that we know it's not true. And we hold that up to the truth of the word of God. Again, not me and not my measuring stick of what I think and what I feel, but the word of God. This is always our measuring stick right here. See, it's a measuring stick. It's called the word of God. Okay, so we have to judge what society is telling us and what other people philosophies tell us that are not biblical. And I could then say that's not from the Bible. That's not what God says. That's not what the scripture says. And then I have to live my life accordingly, you know, according to the word of God. Okay, another way we're called to judge um, is that it's not loving to the world to agree with everything that they feel is right, if it's ungodly. Our world tells us in our, our society, our culture tells us many, many things that do not line up with the word of God. And as a Christian, I am to act in love, right? And the world thinks I'm being a big jerk when I rise up and say, that's not in the scripture, I disagree with that. And I don't want that law to be passed because it goes against everything that the word of God says. They think I'm being a jerk by standing up for the word of God, but actually, as a Christian, I'm walking in love. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help to keep this world from falling into complete ungodliness. I'm doing it for other Christians. I'm doing it for my children, for your children. I'm doing it for God because I, I hold to a different um, measuring stick than the measuring stick of this world, okay? And there's a name for this of what I'm saying, and that is discernment. Can you, can you write that if you're writing in, in the notes? Discernment, which is a form of judgment, discernment. And the Bible says we are to have discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge whether something is of God, which means it doesn't line up with the word of God, or not. That's what discernment is. Discernment is the ability to judge whether something is of God and lines up with the word of God, or not. Okay, how about in this way we're called to be, to judge? Um, that we are salt and we are light. That's what the scripture calls us. He called us that in the Sermon on the Mount, actually. What does salt do? It purifies. What does light do? It drives out darkness. We are salt and light by the way we live out our faith, aren't we? And if society or even other Christians who are not doing it right, who are not getting it right, who don't know the word of God, even them, if they are advocating ungodly things, we will have to judge that it's wrong according to the word of God 
and choose to be different, to live different, to not agree by word or deed with what is being told to us if it is ungodly. To not take part. We, we have to judge whether, whether we are to take part in things or not take part in some things that society tells us according to the word of God. We have to look in the word of God as our measuring stick. Um, so that, you know, we're not subjecting our children to modern philosophies that are blatantly not godly. Okay. Um, so we can make judgments and be a discerning people. We can make judgments and be discerning people, but we aren't to be judgmental about people's struggles. Everyone struggles. We all do. Did you know we all have things and sins that we do repetitively? You know, you may not even know you're doing it anymore. It might be, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, what you know what your sins are. You know the things that you habitually do, the weaknesses that are in your life. We all struggle. Christians struggle, okay? At some point in their life, they will struggle. I don't know. Maybe it's gossip or something like, or unforgiveness or things like that. And we, um, we all need God's forgiveness all the time. And we need, we need the help from the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus. Isn't that what Christians do as Christians? Um, we are to be denying our flesh daily. We are to be dying to self, the scripture says, on a daily basis. I mean, that's what the journey of being a Christian is, is constantly pick up your cross, you know, and, and follow Jesus, you know. We pick up our cross daily and we follow Jesus. That means daily we crucify, crucify that flesh and say, no flesh, that is not what God wants. That is not what pleases God. That, that's not what the Bible says. So constantly we're dying to self. So we're not perfect um, in our behavior yet. The ungodly, it's important to know this, people who are ungodly, unbelievers, they're always going to act ungodly when they are unbelievers. And this shouldn't surprise us, right? When the ungodly act ungodly, why do we go, oh my, you know? I mean, I'm talking to myself too. The ungodly are free to choose ungodliness, just like we are free to choose godliness. And, but the root of their problem is that they need salvation through Christ. That's what the ungodly need. That's what we have as believers already received. That is the only difference is we've received the free gift of God's grace. They haven't yet. This doesn't mean that, that we agree with their lifestyles. We have to make those kind of judgments. We don't say, yeah, yeah, everything's good. Everything's wonderful. I love how you're living. I love your choices just so we don't judge. No, 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 no. I talked about that. We are to judge according to the word of God, but we are not to be judgmental. We are to know I'm not better than them. It's only Jesus. And in that, we are to be humbled and compassionate because we know just like that John Bradford guy who was watching these people go off to their execution, the ungodly are going to face judgment and we are to be humbled and, and, and look at them and feel feel for their lostness and do something about it. Try to reach out to them, you know, try to shine your light before them and, and use every opportunity to reach out to them, maybe with your testimony, maybe with kindness, um, showing them the love of God on a consistent basis, even when they're very unlovable. We're called to be, that's, they, that's how the ungodly will know. It says they will know we are Christians by our love 
And so we are to show them the love of God in every way. We are not better than them. We just have the free gift that was given to us. It's available to them as well. And if they choose it, then they also will have right standing with God, just like we do. That is the only difference. So we are to love the lost. We are to know that we are not better than them. The difference is we have a God who is gracious and merciful, and he's gifted us with salvation. And we have to always humbly remember that. And that is, is what is meant by do not judge. We are not to look at them and say, oh, I'm better than them. No, no, no. We're not better than them. We're, we're just humbled by the fact that we have a God who is merciful and gracious to us, always remembering no one is beyond salvation. That worst sinner out there that you know that God has put in your path, believe for them. You're not better than them. You just have the free gift of Jesus and his salvation. So be believing for those people and, and, um, and, and loving. And that's how we're going to win people over, not by judgment, not by being judgmental, but by loving. Okay. Have a great week.